Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Yo, baby, we're live. We're here in Sunny Slope. We can see the mountains out there. The sun's already up. Yes, it's a little different time than it was a month ago. A little warmer than it was a month ago. Absolutely knockout dead gorge weather. You know, yesterday was below 80. Okay, 78. This morning was in the 50s. Nice and warm. If it's not pretty here now, it's never going to get prettier. Welcome to the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show, where we're enjoying this beautiful spring weather. Perfect time to plant, great time to be outdoors, nice time to explore. But whatever you do, it's not a day to stay in the house. Whether you want to go to a spring baseball game, you want to climb around these mountains here in uh, Squaw Peak, or you know, over here in Sunny Slope, the Sunny Slope Mountains, or Camelback, uh, just go out and enjoy the hiking anywhere in the desert. Head out to the lake and have a picnic. I mean, it's just beautiful. But, you know, the one thing that might need a little attention about now is your garden. So if we haven't pruned things back, uh, guess what? It's not going to freeze again. And if we uh, – there's not there's not a lot of excuses to stay inside today, folks. And uh, if you've got uh, plans to go outdoors and have some ideas, thoughts, something different you're doing, we'd love to hear from him. Here at the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, we start off every week with wide-open phones. We finish. It's kind of tricky to get in. It's a listener participation program. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music. All you have to do is give her a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, why to grow it, where to grow it. And if you're doing something different at home, there's plenty of styles. We're all here to learn. Um Looks like the phones are actually lighting up a little earlier today, so we'll get right to them. And in the meantime, um, whatever your thoughts and your dreams, we're all here to to hear about different things, different styles. We're never going to tell you no, but we might make recommendations. Randy and Tempe, good morning. Good morning. I have two quick questions. One, um, I sprayed two weeks ago your two four. What is it? Two four D, a topical spray right. for the weeds. I did that, but. The label says wait for like three months before I respray. Well, I did kill some, but I didn't kill the rest. Can I go ahead and apply is this, that? Is this lawn weeks? or rock or what are we doing, Randy? It's a uh, Bermuda. I have okay. 2,500 square feet of Bermuda. Well, you know what? Here's what's going to happen now. Uh, you know, it gets a little more iffy if you're going to try and use 2,4-D again. I'm never going to tell you to go against a manufacturer's label on any kind of a chemical. You know, that's just wrong, and there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of things associated with these chemicals. But what we have in our favor today that we didn't have a few weeks ago is Mother Nature. Mother Nature is bringing out the sunshine, bringing out the heat. The Bermuda grass is going to wake up. And if you keep it mowed short and well-fertilized, and within six weeks, it'll choke out those weeds on its own. All right, then I got a real quick second question. I've got a irrigated pasture, and... Over the last several years, I've developed large, very dense uh, patches of clover, and they continue to get larger and larger and larger. It's a three-leafed clover, and it is choking out the Bermuda in the pasture, but then it's evergreen, never freezes. Um, but slowly, I'm using, I'm losing my Bermuda pasture. What's the clover? And it's, it's too big to treat. It's just way, way too much of an area. 
Well, most of it's not perennial. Does it have a yellow flower on it? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but maybe I don't closely. It's, it's probably yeah, oxalis. And uh, how you would control that, honestly, Randy, is to put down a pre-emergent in September. And the pre-emergent in September will stop it from regerminating and will work fairly efficiently. Do you have animals in your pasture? <clears throat> no, just a Labrador. This would be kind of prohibitive to apply something because this may be over a quarter of an acre, and it's slowly overtaking the whole pasture. i got to tell you, Randy, huge. farmers put things on by the square mile on the sections. Okay. Yeah, so well. when we when we have a big problem out there in the in alfalfa, um, nobody's going to be shy and not not treat the whole field. All right. So if you really mm-hmm. want to clean it up, you know that would be the way to do it. And you can actually take a you know a fairly decent sized sprayer and spray you know a third of an acre and clean it up pretty well. And but that would be the way to do it. The pre-emergent, you know, it's pretty hard. You you, you could have sprayed the two four D on it, you know, before. You probably still can now if it's all pasture. I would probably hit it with a two four D product, and that would be the safest. And pick the coldest morning that you see coming up this next week or so, and you know, hopefully maybe right after the rain, and go out there and just spray that whole pasture, and then after that, put down a pre-emergent. All right. Well, thank you. You know, if you get the ratio happy enough and a little hot enough, it should kill all the oxalis and all those kind of things with one spray. And is that a three? Is Pardon? that a three-leafed clover? That oxalis? Oxalis? It's, it's yeah. It's three different leaves because you have because you don't see a four-leaf clover because you know they would have to be Irish. No, no. You know, and even though I am Irish, or my, my my grandmother would roll over, and my other grandma is probably Irish too. But anyway, um, no, it, it's it is definitely a. It's probably an oxalis, which is a clover, and uh, you know it's it's not that hard to kill with two four D. All right, all right, thanks, thanks, Randy. Bye bye, uh, Tom and Gilbert. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, beautiful day out there. It certainly is. Hey, uh, got some hummingbirds just looking for something to eat. I uh, uh-huh. just wondering what you got to plant down there. Oh, there's a lot of things. Cape honeysuckle is probably their favorite of all that has the longest bloom cycle. But really, if you come to the nursery and look for any kind of a tubular flower, that they tend to like, you know, all the tubular types. And uh, and there, there's a lot of them. And, the honey, you know, there's nothing like hummingbirds. They're, they're fun to watch. They're, uh, you know, pound for pound, the most aggressive animal I've ever seen in my life. But, uh, yeah, I, I sure like them. But they're, they're awfully fun to watch, you know, and uh, so come in and look for tubular things, and uh, you can come in and maybe even watch some of the hummingbirds. There's one called a firecracker plant that spreads out that's got like a bright orange flower. Uh, Cape honeysuckle, like I say, is, is probably their all-time favorite. Um, you could do any of the trumpet vines, lavender trumpet vine, the, the red trumpet vine, tangerine cross vine. But, you know, if you come uh-huh. to look for just almost anything with a tubular flower. Um, how big and how tall do these things get? Well, Cape Honeysuckle, you could aspire across a trellis on a wall. You grow a 10 by 10, you know, 10 foot tall, 10 foot wide. Um, the little firecracker plant spreads, grows about 2 foot tall and spreads 4 or 5 foot wide across the ground. Um, many of the other vines... Um, you know, will vine like the tangerine cross vine will tall and, and grow tall and spread as far as you'll support it. So if you've got a, you a wire or trellis, it'll continue to spread, you know, right across it. So there, there's a okay. lot of options. Good enough. I'll stop down this morning and see. All right. Thank you, Tom. Bye bye.
Take care. You too. Uh, D out in Whitman. Good morning, D. Good morning. I have three quick questions. Um, do ocotillos grow fast or slow? <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's all completely and entirely relative. Um, you know, as someone who, you know, has been growing plants in a nursery, trying to propagate and grow and, and make plants, you know, in general, uh, uh, I, I would uh, consider them quite slow because we oh. can't propagate a ocotillo from seed or even from stem cuttings, you know, and make a plant very quickly. Um, while you can just put a cutting in the ground any size you like, three or four or five feet, and you would expect for maybe having a 70% chance of that cutting to eventually root out, that rooting process might take a year. So that oh. I wouldn't consider fast. So for, for today's modern world and modern amounts of patience, I would consider them slow. Oh, okay. Okay. Even if it's already in the ground and it's about four or five foot tall? And okay, is it established wild natural one there? Um, I got it from a nursery. So okay, you planted it. Did you plant it out of a container, like out of a box or a fifteen-gallon can, or was it bare root? No, it was bare root. Okay, so here's the thing. First off, you have to be careful to get it rooted. Okay, they don't want to stay too wet, though they do like a little water, and it really takes about a year for them to root. Okay, and so once yours okay. is rooted, and the whole plant's green, not because it'll green up just with a, a rain, even if it stems just laying on the ground. So right. the whole plant's really green and growing, okay, and it starts to put off some roots, then its speed will increase. If you want to truly grow one faster, you could plant one from a container where it's been grown in a box for a couple of years before you bought it, and that uh-huh. has roots on it, and it will grow faster. And once they're rooted oh. and established, once they get past the transplanting of like your bare root, one, then they will grow much faster, and then you can water them and fertilize them and push them along. But for your oh, newly okay. planted bare root one, you don't want to try and push it. it. Really doesn't need any fertilizer. Maybe a little bit of like sixteen twenty, but just a moderate amount. And then it also uh, doesn't want to stay real wet because it doesn't have any roots. And if you overwater, it'll rot. Oh, okay. Um, the other, uh, do palm trees need to be watered out at their drip line or closer to the trunk? Well, I've got spikes going into the root, the two feet, two feet long ones. Uh huh. How long have the trees so, been planted? D. Uh, four or five years. Okay, so they're pretty established. Um, yeah. Here's what we do. You know, we grow dates commercially, you know, and obviously right. water is becoming an issue. So we're converting all of our dates. Now, many of our dates were already on bubblers. Or we have a uh-huh. bubbler that goes right in beside the palm tree close, and we have a well around the tree, and we right. fill the well up on that tree, and that's that's a, a way that we've watered them. Historically, they were flood irrigated, where you irrigated all the land, and the thing with uh-huh. like date palms, they were planted on a 30-foot by 30-foot grid, so you were right. watering a lot of square footage of land, uh, you know, for each tree. But, right. you know, those trees actually utilize all that water, so you really weren't wasting it. But, uh, right. We were using a lot more than we can with the present methods. So if you want palm trees to go well, I would put the water close to the palm tree, okay? And the water is going to sub or it's going to go into the soil and move away. As the pressure builds up, the water pushes away from the tree. And when you get an area, you know, 
say wet on a palm tree about a fourth of the, the uh, diameter of the height. So if you had a 10-foot oh. palm tree, okay, and if yeah. you water, yeah. uh, water an area about, uh, well, you know, three to four foot wide and water that deep, mm-hmm. that's fine. Palm trees can actually have roots as far away as they are tall depending on what kind of oh. a situation you have with water availability. You know, most uh-huh. things in life are opportunist. You know, they're going to go where they can find life and water, and, and palm trees are much the same. But, oh, okay. Uh, but there's no reason to try and spread the drip well out. But if you oh, want to okay. grow a healthy palm tree, you just have to put on adequate water. Okay, very good. The last question is, <clears throat> I have a fire stick. That's mm-hmm. what I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The cows decided that we have free-range cows out here. Right. And the cows decided to walk through it and break some of the big, I'm going to call them branches. Mm -hmm. So now I've taken them off. Do I need to cut that break off square or just leave them? And will it regrow? It will regrow. You don't have to cut it break off square. It would be better probably if you did. And even if you use a little dry sulfur on it or let it sit in cows for about a week. But that's one of the easiest plants to propagate. It's not quite as easy as jumping choya, but it's pretty Uh, close. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dee. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, let's see. It looks like we're going to take a brief uh, commercial break here while we're gone. We have uh, f- oh, now three lines available. We have the lovely Shira here on phones. All you have to do is give her a call. Number to call 602-277-5827-277. KTR. It's Brian and Shira here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR. Good morning, beautiful. How was your night? Mine was wonderful with you by my side. And when I opened my eyes to see your sweet face, it's a good morning, beautiful day. Care. Since you came along, I can face the dawn, cause I know you'll be there. even more beautiful you are indoors you know i'm not i'm not here to judge <laughs> have a wonderful warning but most importantly we have two lines available so the number to call 602-277-5827-277 ktar steven glendale good morning good morning brian how are you this morning oh excellent sir and happy thanks for asking well good uh what is a good watering schedule for my orange and ash trees how how long have they been there steve 
Uh, one of the uh, naval orange been in there only a couple years, and the other two orange trees been in for uh, years and years, about 30 years. Where, the, where, where are you uh, located in Glendale? Uh, 63rd Avenue and Cactus. Okay. So you've got some pretty darn good soil in right there. Um, and are you irrigating there still, Steve, or is that uh, on... It's on bubblers. On bubblers, okay. And so, in that, you know, that, that what's that, Sunburst Farms? Uh, no, it's uh, Copperwood. Okay. So at any rate, what uh, that's, that's a great citrus neighborhood, perfect place to grow it. Commercially and, and uh, normally, that those trees would have been watered. Well, actually, in our groves, we haven't watered since the second week of December. Okay, we've had so much rain, we never count rain, right? But we haven't uh-huh. watered our citrus grove out in Mesa since the second week in uh, December. Now, down in Hyder, where we have lighter soil, we've watered a couple times. But realistically, um, for those trees, you know, well-established, you'd want to water them about once a month in the wintertime. But deeply, when we water, we want to get the water down two, three feet deep, you know, and out the drip line of the trees. And now, uh-huh. as it's warming up, we're going to maybe start to have to put some water on right now, which wouldn't be a bad idea. And especially if you haven't fertilized or if you are going to fertilize, you know, right with the with the water and fertilizer can kind of go together this time of year. So that would kind of be a perfect thing. But uh, I would say, you know, from like, say, March, the end of March um, through June, I would water them once every two weeks, uh, heavy, okay? That young tree would probably appreciate an extra irrigation in between, but the older ones certainly don't need it, but it won't hurt them either. And then what we have, we do, we would watch in the summertime, and if we're going to be over 110 to 15, then you want to throw an extra irrigation in where you water once a week. Once a week then, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but only when it's over 110. I see. And then... Uh what uh, is there such a thing, Brian, as uh, over fertilizing? Absolutely, you can kill anything you want with fertilizer. I mean, uh, I, I do it three times a year, but mm-hmm. I was just wondering if. I, well, if you put if, too uh, much in, especially with the you know, the nitrogen, that's the mm-hmm. most toxic. That's the first one in there, but it can burn the roots pretty easily. If you put too much nitrogen at one time, and if it's water soluble, you know we used to sell ammonium nitrate, but we still sell urea and ammonium sulfate, which are good fertilizers. But if you put too much on at one time and water it in, you can kill anything. Right. Okay, well, thank you very much, Brad. Thank you, Steve. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Uh, Richard Whitman. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, sir. I've got or had a 20-year-old orange tree. It was supposed to be a tangelo. Mm-hmm. And the rootstock took over. Okay. I have removed all that old, all that rootstock, and I've got the original grafting in the center. Okay. Do I need to cover the trunk? It's got a really good bark on it, but do I need to cover it because it has no shade on it? Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and you could cover it or you could paint it, but the easiest thing, the best thing for the trees to wrap it, and that'll also okay. limit your suckering. And you could wrap it with burlap or a sheet, just something, you know. But that tree's just like we are, you know. When you rip your clothes off and go to the beach, you're going to burn. So, well, the tree, uh, this is the perfect time of year to do all that pruning, but you can paint it white with a heavy dose of white paint, or you can wrap it. Okay. Thank you for the info. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Vinny and uh, Surprise. Hello, Vinny. Hi, Brian. I got a question. What's the chances of growing avocados in a pot? 
Well, about as good as they are growing them in the ground. Uh, you know, if any, they, they're really kind of easy to germinate and grow your own to start with in pot. And they're a fun plant to grow that way. They grow very well on a patio. And the advantage of having them in a container is that you can have them on a patio and protect it from the sun. Now, as long as you don't plan on having fruit, I think you'll do well. Oh, I want the fruit. Well, then go down to the store and buy some. I mean, we sell our citrus to the guys that, you know, at Sprouts and Whole Foods. And you know, then I went over at the Albertson yeah. Safeway and the whole Bashes group. And, you know, all those places have really nice avocados. And so if you grow your little avocado tree, you know, and then buy your avocados, uh, life is going to be much simpler. You ever heard that song? Oh, okay. Life is was so much simpler then, you know, from... Uh, yeah, the way we were, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> kind of how it, that's how it is, not just the way we were. I, I put a pool in the yard, and I concreted everything, so I got no room to well, grow it. It wouldn't in the matter if you were to go an avocado pot. in the ground. It, it was, still wouldn't. I would tell you the same thing if you're growing in the ground, Benny. You know, if you want to grow something okay. here that's, that's going to do better would be a citrus. Okay, and if you've okay. con- if you've concreted oh. everything, here's what you can do to grow a citrus: is you can take a, a drill and drill some holes through that concrete patio, and, and get yourself a yeah. large pot. Okay, and and basically, when you put your citrus in a large pot, plant it in dirt, not in potting soil. Use a hardy variety like a Meyer lemon or a Lisbon lemon. Plant it out there on your patio. Protect the trunk on it. But when you after you drill those holes through the concrete. Put a wick through there. Take a piece of, uh, like, cotton, okay, and run yeah. it down through the hole so that the water follows that through the bottom. So will the roots uh, root down through that hole. They'll go through your concrete under the tree, under the cool deck, into the cement, and you can grow a citrus tree there in a pot. But you're not going to do it okay. with an avocado. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Vinny. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have David in Ahwatukee. But after David, it's wide open. The number to call is 602-277-5827-277. KTAR. Good morning, David. Yeah. So, Brian, so glad you're on the air because I've got some questions I want to ask here. Yeah. So um, I wanted to put a vine on the east side of my house, but there's a ficus tree that's blocking out a lot of the light, but it's it's really bright. Is it possible that there is a vine that would actually grow on the east side and bloom? I mean, I was even thinking like up north, you can plant morning glories or an annual, you know, or maybe um, a clementine or something like that. Well, but um, so okay. So this is all shaded by the ficus tree as well. Yeah, a little bit of direct light breaks through once in a while. You know what? You could probably grow there would be a creeping fig vine or ficus repens. And that, that uh-huh. would actually grow well there, and it would adhere to the wall by itself, and it would turn the wall green. But as far as having uh-huh. blooms, yeah. it's going to be difficult. You know, you're, yeah. tr- you're trying to I bloom see. in the shade. But if you wanted just to turn the wall green, creeping fig vine would probably do well. Creeping fig. What was the other one? Uh, creeping fig, or, or else you could plant creeping fig. Or you know what? Yeah, I, okay, I, think, sure. I think creeping fig might do well. Uh, there's, yeah. there's 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 okay. not there's yeah. not a lot of other ones. There are some other ones, but as, yeah. you know, as far as getting imagine. color, you know, you're not going to get color. Yeah. You know, yeah. wishful thinking. Her. It yeah. is. Well, you can yeah. grow the ivies uh, and be, but all the ivies kind of the same kind of things. But the ficus repens is yeah. a lot hardier. Oh, yeah. Yes, right. Okay. Uh, now, um, I wanted to plant some uh, seeds, 
Uh, but um, they're like good seeds, but they're like five years old. I know that you lose 10% every year, but when the, if you use these seeds and you put, instead of one in the hole, you put five in the hole, so one comes up. What kind uh, of seeds are we talking about, will, David? I'm talking about uh, just for a garden, anything. Oh, uh, vegetable cilantro, seeds? tomatoes. Oh, you uh, know what? If, if, if they were well stored, you, you'll get still get probably 90% germination on some varieties. So yeah, it's, it's not going to hurt to use older seeds. Oh, yeah. But the plant itself is still going to be just as strong as any other. Absolutely. Plant Once the seed up. germinates, it doesn't know if it's one year old or a thousand, you know, and, and plenty oh, of yeah. seeds okay, have been good, germinated good. after long, long periods of time. In fact, a friend of mine, Steve Hodges, uh, when he was putting a basement in for his children to sleep and excavated a whole jar full of seeds in South Phoenix and gave uh-huh. them to the uh, museum. And it was an intact uh-huh. jar. But, you know, there's been seeds that have been dug up after a thousand years and still been viable. So, I would I wouldn't give up yeah. on your seeds. Yeah. So I, I've got this. Uh, uh, it's pink lemonade, or it, it's it's a lemon that has variegated uh-huh. colored leaves. Variegated lemon, right? Back. Yeah, yeah. But it's been there uh, a, a year and a half, uh, you know, or two years, and it it just uh, doesn't do much of anything. It's, so it seems like it's just losing ground all the time. Is that kind of like a weaker lemon? I've always heard the well, lemon. I, I don't think it's the hardiest, but we have a row of them on our farm, and they're actually pretty vigorous. So here's what I would do. I'd wrap yeah. the trunk. I'd fertilize it monthly, deep water it. Where are you yeah. located in Awatuki, mm-hmm. Dave? What cross streets? Uh, I'm pretty close to the mountains, so it's kind of sandy, rocky okay. soil. You know? soil drains fast, so you're going to want to water it you know, once a week this time of year, once twice a week if you want to in the summer. Fertilize it monthly yeah. and stand back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make okay, sure the truck sure. is protected. Thanks, David. Have a nice yeah. weekend. And it looks like Mr. Troy Barrett slipped into the studio here, and, and Troy and I, we're going we're gonna to have a conversation later today about the fun things in life like skipping and, and singing and whistling. Yes, it's a beautiful day here. And while we're gone, you can give the lovely Shira, she's beautiful too, a call. The number to call here at 602-277-5827. We're all three here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Cause you came to 
song like the birds sitting out here at the window starting to sing saying hey i think spring's here or something fun anyway we'll get right to the phones we do have a line available a number to call 602-277-5827-277 ktar rolling in queen creek good morning rolling good morning question is it too late to put uh systemic uh on stuff on my ash trees to keep the aphids away? Probably not, but you want to do it right away. You know, if it's a Fan West, I think you're fine. Fan, Well, Fan West, don't get bothered. It's really mainly for the Fantex ash. And if you want to stop those early aphids, I'd put it on today and water it in. Because this weather's warm okay. enough that the trees are really going to wake up, and and you really, as long as you catch it before that the leaves come out and start to mature, you know, and, and nature fixes that problem with the ash. But then you have a whole set of curly gnarly leaves. So yes, go ahead yeah. and treat them today, Rowan. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye, uh, Alex and Tulson. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. Yes, sir. I, I have a question regarding my pecan trees. What mm-hmm. kind of fertilizer would I use? Well, zinc sulfate is the best because they do like some extra zinc. And uh, now is a great time to apply it to the soil, but it does take a long time to break down. And then commercially, a lot of the zinc is applied foliar, you know, and that's done with a sprayer, you know, in the growing cycle after the foliage is back up. But that would be uh-huh. difficult to do now. So you can fertilize them. If you happen to have some 21714 lawn fertilizer around and you fertilized and, and irrigated that in, Alex, that would help them a lot too. But they do like the extra zinc. So if you wanted to pick up some zinc sulfate and add to them, it will really help. How much would I apply? Well, how large? You follow the directions by the diameter of the trunk on the tree. How large are your your pecans? Uh, They're probably about 40 foot tall at the base. They're probably 15, 16 inches. Yeah, so you you could put a lot on. I mean, it, it wouldn't harm them at all to put on 10 to 20 pounds per tree. You know, pecans can use quite a lot of fertilizer. Do you flood irrigate, Alex? Yes. Okay. So you want to get it on just ahead of a flood irrigation. And to keep it from moving around, though, it is pretty heavy. If you take a shovel or a spade and go out underneath the tree under the drip line and cut some deep slices in the ground as deep as you could spade before irrigation and just plop that in. And uh, with the uh, zinc sulfate, it breaks down pretty slow. So, you know, it'll still be releasing three months from now. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Hector in Phoenix. Good morning, Hector. Hey, good morning. I have a question. I have a mulberry tree that has a hole in it. Mm-hmm. It's um, somewhere around four four inches wide by six inches, by maybe five inches deep. What could I put in it to fill it in? I mean, Hector, is there, is, there, is there a bird living in that hole? No. Oh, okay, because because typically woodpeckers and starlings, a lot of those will nest in, in the trunks of mulberries when the older ones were here, and so prevalent before. So, what's created this hole, Hector? I'm sorry. What's created the hole? Well, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> 
is it but there's nothing oozing out there's nothing outside the hole there's no sign of you know any kind of a fungus or black ooze or anything out around the hole no okay but so it does get you know a lot of when it rains it gets a lot of water in it so so it's in it's in, it's, in, it's, in, it's in the crotch of a tree so it's in between uh, two branches yeah. okay and yeah. uh, it's it has an older tree yes it's it's males yeah Okay. Um, I don't know that I would be overly concerned with it, but if you did want to fill it in, you could fill it in with the easiest thing would be spray foam. You know, the little oh, spray okay. foam stuff. And if you make sure it's all dry, what I would probably do is dust the inside of the hole first with powdered sulfur. You know, and that's pretty good at killing a lot of different kinds of funguses and bacteria. And if you just dust, dusted the inside of the hole with powdered sulfur, went out and bought you a can of the spray foam. That would be the easiest thing to fill it in with, and that would seal it up pretty well. And then if you wanted to mask your project, you could, you know, paint over the end of it. Oh, perfect. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, Rick in surprise. Hello, Rick. Good morning. I um, have got – I'm looking for some uh, advice on drip irrigation and heavy clay soil. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got uh, a mature navel – and several uh, three-year-old citrus, a mature med fan palm, and then about a three-year-old med fan palm. And I was wondering about, uh, like, how many gallons per week during the spring and how many gallons per week during the summer I should be planning for these. Well, Rick, the, the, the key is to using drip irrigation with clay is long and slow, okay? So you don't yeah. want your drip water to run off. You know, what, but drip can be very, yeah, very efficient. Wells. Yeah, okay. And so yeah. the wells, how long does it take to fill your wells? I've never really calibrated it. Okay, well, that's uh, kind of what you're going to want to do is kind of calibrate what it takes, you know. But um, yeah. truthfully, clay soil like out in Surprise, especially clay soil like around Sun City with, you know, having uh, cleachy under it is even better because it retains all the water right there on top. And so we don't have to water near as often. And if you have a well so that the water's not going to run away, then you could run the water, you know, at a more rapid pace and be fine. Uh, but... For most citrus, you want to get the water down two to three feet, okay? And that's deep enough. And then let them dry out in between. And with heavy clay soil, you know, for that mature tree, you'll be watering it once a month in the wintertime, once every two weeks in the summer. For your younger tree, it'll be twice as often, okay? It's not going to hurt the older tree to be twice as often in the summer. So you can water it extra with frequency in the summer. But however you calibrate your system, what you want your water to do is go two to three foot deep and as wide as the drip line of the tree. And then you want to let it dry out. And the best way to see if it's getting dry is just take a screwdriver and stick it in the ground. When the top couple inches are dry, it's time to water again. And uh, the watering really changes if it's over 110. So when it's 110, 15, 18, and maybe close to 120, then you're going to, you know, for sure water once a week. But uh, that deep watering I, works very well. I, I I just checked with a screwdriver yesterday, and I haven't had irrigation on since late November, like mm-hmm. you said. Right. I haven't had any. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and I still have at least four or five inches of 
uh, moist soil uh, or more. Well, yeah, and, 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 and you know, we used to say that in the wintertime, the, you know, the moisture came up. It, it seems like what it does. But, you know, for a lot of places here in the valley, I was out in my grove and, you know, I was talking with Hoel about whether we need to irrigate or not. And Hoel and, and um, he was telling me, you know, we don't need to yet. And, and he was right. You know, we went out there. To, we have a tensionometer, which goes in the soil and tells you how much moisture is there. And uh, we have plenty of water still. And it's it's pretty uncanny, you know. My lifetime, I could never remember it being this way. And plus, one more I, quick I probably never checked it as much either. <laughs> okay how 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 long will tanslow stay good on a tree? Well, that's a great question. This it's year, perf- perfectly timely today because we're all picking tanslows right now, Rick. And uh, so our tanslows right now, when you eat one, they're at their absolute best, you know, and we're trying to get the rest of the crop off into the stores. And what happens with tangelos is as the season progresses here somewhere in March and when the temperatures come up, they become rattlers. So you can go grab a tangelo and it looks big and you can shake it and the fruit on the inside will rattle around inside the fruit. But when we were at the packing shed yesterday and we were packing these up and uh, our some of our people were discarding and we, you know, we don't, we don't throw them away. We give them to the food bank, but you know, whether they're commercially marketable or not. And so I was walking along, having them all consume one. I said, well, you have to eat one. And then after that, I went around to some stores. I was at, you know, three or four different stores that we work with. I was at a Safeway store and I was at a Batches store. And, and I was showing because some of the younger produce people hadn't tried a Tangelo yet. And uh, I said, here, just taste this. And over at Food Study, it was really funny because like, you know, he had had a few that had pulled out of the bin because, you know, they, they sell our, our number two grade and uh, it doesn't taste any different just looks a little different and he had some in the mm-hmm. discard pile and i said wait a minute wait a minute so i walk into the stores i pop these fruit open and i let them taste them you know and a mini elatangelo right now to me is the best fruit in the world you know they can have their sumos i mean they're they're really good there's some other tangerines that are good but a mini elatangelo grown here in the valley this time of year i think is the best citrus on the planet and uh for the lifespan on your tree you can probably keep them for another month but what's going to happen then Rick, even though they rattle and they're loose and they still taste good, they're going to fall off. Okay. So, okay. so have great. lots of friends over, eat lots of tangelos. <laughs> it's prime tangelo season. And for everybody else that's listening, you know, go out and see our friends at Bashes and, and, uh, well, the whole Bashes clan. So we have Bashes, AJ's and Food City. We have Safeway Albertsons. You can go to Whole Food Stores and you can go to all the sprouts around town. And all those should have our tangelos. And I guarantee if you eat a tangelo that's grown here in the valley, if it says Silver Canyon on the sticker or some of them, the smaller sizes don't. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Rick, thanks for the call cool. and enjoy those tangelos. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. <Thank you. laughs> Bye. uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, we do have a line available, a number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTAR. He wants that you were mine long forever and I was yours Till the end of eternity But all those vows are broken now And I will never Be the same Except in memory Remember me When the candlelights are gleaming Remember me At the close of a long, long day it will be 
sweet when all alone I'm dreaming Just to know you still remember me Welcome back. It's hard to cut into Willie, but you know, we've got the lines full. Anyway, want to take a moment and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees, and this is spring, and it's a great time to plant. And at Whitfields, we'll do the digging. If you need trees, any kind, any size, from citrus trees, which you can come in and taste the fruit on many varieties right now, to, uh, you know, we, we start with 15 gallons. We don't sell a lot of younger citrus trees. You know, we want you to be able to plant a tree, or we'll plant it for you, that you can have fruit within the next year. And we also have big shade trees ashes, elms, pistachios, desert trees like mesquites and ironwoods and palo verdes where Arizona's largest grower of palm trees, um, you know, for commercial uses like residential landscaping or commercial landscaping. If you need one palm tree for your yard, if you need a thousand, if you're looking for a giant pygmy date, yeah, it's like a big shrimp, or maybe a sago palm, or you're looking for something kind of tropical, and you went on that trip to Belize, and you want to plant a coconut. They don't grow here, but we have beautiful mule palms that do, and you can remind yourself. In fact, you can put a couple of them out there with a hammock and and grow some hibiscus around and have all the flowers and colors. Yes, the tropics do work here in the desert, so can we grow some of the best citrus in the world, and we can have some beautiful Sonoran desert landscapes and desert tropical things that come from every continent. And we're growing them all for you here right at Whitfield Nurseries. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale, the East Valley Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue straight south of the Sky High Airport. Whitfield Nursery for four generations. Growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, next up we have, oh, George and Gilbert, you've been impatient. Hi, George. Good morning, George. Oh, I bet George is listening on the air. George, I'm going to... Oh, hello. Hello. You're, you're, hi, you're here, you're live. Hey, very good. I think I think they got my name wrong. I'm actually Jordan, but that's oh, okay. okay. Yeah, like the river. I got you, Jordan. Yeah, I've been there too. But hey, I've got a question for you. I planted 10 Chamel ash trees in um, November, mm-hmm. and they're looking good. They're just starting to come back. But my question is, what do I need to do to prepare them for the changing weather? What kind of watering schedule? You know, is it, what should I be doing with them right now? Well, Jordan, what's, what size were they when you planted them? They were uh, 15 gallons, I believe. Okay, so it wouldn't be a bad idea to wrap the trunks on them. Okay. Okay. And you wrap the trunks from where the where the crotch and the branches are down to the ground. Okay. Okay. And, and that could be done probably almost best with a bed sheet that you would sacrifice or rip it to like a four inch strip. And you could staple sure. it to the top and just wrap the trunk and staple it to the bottom. And that fabric okay. gives it a lot of protection. Now with these young ash trees, you want to do everything you can to really have them, you know, perform well this spring. So I would fertilize them monthly with a balanced okay. fertilizer like OrganoPro Citrus food or a 20-20-20. Okay, so okay. fertilize them once a month. And while they might not need weekly watering in Gilbert with a heavy clay soil, it's not going to harm them. So I would okay. make sure that they're on a weekly cycle, and I would try to make sure they're running long enough or the wells are big enough to get the water down to a depth of about two feet and out to about three. And if you do okay, those things, so. the most important thing you need to do is stand back because the tree is going to crowd you out. It's going to grow really fast right now. Okay, well, I will do that, and I mean, obviously, I'll go out there and try to kind of time it, but what do you think? Is that about a 30 to 45-minute watering on a drip line? Well, it depends on the size emitters you have. 
You know, the most important right. thing is you have a well there. And the drip lines that we use in our orchard are the adjustables where they put out 10 gallons in an hour. You know, right. and, and so if it puts out 10 gallons in an hour and an hour, you know, spreads the whole well, you're going to want to put at least 10 gallons on at a time. So that would be okay. a minimum. If you had a couple of those heads, you might run it an hour, run 20 gallons. But um and then you can water a little less just because you're in Gilbert and you have the heavier soil. But you really do want to air on those young trees uh, on the side of wet with shamble ash for the, for the first year. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. That's kind of what I thought, but I wanted to confirm it, and I obviously want them to make it through and, and be healthy trees. So I thought, you know what? I've been debating on calling for some time. I thought, you know, I'm going to call. So well, I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jordan. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, Andy in Paradise Valley. Hello, Andy. How you doing? Excellent, sir. Thank you. Hey, I planted a couple 60-inch elm trees in November, and it looks like woodpeckers, little like a quarter-inch drill bit all mm-hmm. the way around it. Would that be woodpeckers? That would How be Gila woodpeckers. A, a protected little bird here in our range that's awfully common. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's protected, but it just kind of is. Um <laughs> You know they're 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 persistent guys, Andy. Um, you know you can w- put wire around the tree that they can't really reach through as easy, and that might slow okay. them down some. What woodpeckers truly are sap suckers, okay? So they they peck a row or so around those trees this time of year, especially in the spring, and they're sucking the sap out of the tree, and um, and they're pretty hard to deter. You know, and it, but yeah, there's there's like uh, eight holes in a row. Yeah, all they the just way make around, a little like circle a all the way around, all the way around. Yeah, and that's one woodpecker one afternoon out just, you know, playing around your tree. Really? Yeah. Okay. But will tie uh, a cat to the tree. Well, it's just one they like. <laughs> now, they're not going to do long-term, you know, damage. Those little holes okay. will eventually fill and grow in and cover over. But uh, you can put some wire or something out there, and some, whatever you can kind of do to annoy him. You know, you can maybe annoy oh, the woodpecker, but they're very persistent. I appreciate it, so it's not going to kill my tree. It's not going to kill your tree. Thank you very much. Bye, Andy. Uh, Margie in Phoenix. Hi, Margie. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for asking. So I have a tangelo tree, and I have new buds already starting on the tips of it, and I just wondered, is it too late to trim it back? No. Now is the perfect time to prune citrus. So if you want to reduce okay. citrus's size, in fact, uh, you know, we're trying to get our crops off so we can get the things pruned, then we can fertilize, and it's it's been a crazy season, so we're in a big hurry right now with our own things. But uh, now is the perfect time to prune citrus. You can prune them down from the top as much as you like, and if you do it soon, um, you don't have to worry about protecting the wood inside because they'll generate new foliage. If you're going to cut one down so far as to expose major limbs, it would be a good idea to paint and protect the wood. But aside from that, no, now's the best time. What you don't want to do with citrus is you don't want to raise the branches up from the ground and let the sun hit the trunk. But pruning it down for the top now is perfect. And then what causes those brown spots on the oranges? Um, on the berries. bottoms of oranges? What kind of oranges are they? They're tangelos. They're tangelos and there's brown spots on them. On the outside portion of the tree, the fruit will sunburn. So everything oh. around the outside part of the canopy can get sunburned and scalded, and you'll notice the fruit's not quite round, and it's scalded on one side. Now, the, the half of the fruit will still be good when you eat it, but the other half's going to be damaged. And to prevent that, if you'll prune the tree back moderately, okay, then the, the blooms that we're going to have are going to set fruit now will be more in the interior. And then as the tree grows out, it's going to put out new buds and more foliage, and that fruit that's hard, that 
flowers and sets and over the next few weeks will be interior of the tree. It won't be in the exterior. It won't get sunburned and you have better quality fruit. And so the ones that I'm picking, a few of them are soft, pretty mm-hmm. soft. Are they still edible? Absolutely. You know, a soft tangelo is a ripe tangelo. So with tangelos, just because they feel soft, and even if they get to be rattlers where you can shake them around, that doesn't mean they're not delicious. In fact, those oftentimes taste the best. And right now, as they ripen here in our climate, you know, eat the soft ones first. And uh, if you don't, they're going to fall off the tree and you'll lose them. So when, when harvesting tangelos in your own yard, if you want to maintain the crop on the tree as long as possible, eat the soft ones. Now, okay, what, I warn, right, what so I warn you with tangelos is that how you can tell a good one from a bad one is mm-hmm. soft is good. Yellow's bad. Don't eat a light-colored one. <laughs> have, have, have a nice weekend. Bye-bye, Margie. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.